0: Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with veteran Kansas City jazz pianist Charles Williams. He grew up in Kansas City, Kansas, and as a kid, he was a trombonist studying under Mr. Leon Brady at Sumner High School. That would lead to the Piano and the Turner House Jazz Series in the 1970s. And that would also lead to playing with legends like Dizzy Gillespie, Max Roach, Clark Terry, and so many others. These days, he is very busy. And that includes being the pianist for the Kansas City Jazz Orchestra. And he is also in music education and has established a keyboard academy along with much more. So please get to know Charles and dig this interview, my friends.
1: Charles, thank you for taking a minute out for me today. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for even reaching out to me. So, let me go ahead and start off here. I know that you're a part of the Kansas City Jazz Orchestra, but just kind of give me an idea of what's your regular activity around Kansas City? Musically, it's like
2: a multiplicity of different things. Uh, I might be asked to come play at different venues, such as uh, the Blue Room. Uh, like last night at did Eddie B's on the Plaza. It just depends because when you are here in Kansas City, you know, it's kinda hard sometimes to get a steady date but a lot of times what happens is I'll just get a call and ask can I am I available this date, this date and I'll just take them as I am. And so that just builds up. So different singers will call me, I'll accompany them. This is with Ida Macbeth, I play with her, I've been with her for several years and there's another young uh upcoming singer that's very good named Ebony Fondren. She's really great singer and i love playing behind her as well different ones millie edwards and then just i have my own band so sometimes we do venues there we just did a big concert at the centennial methodist Church on 19th in woodland it was called jazz in the sanctuary and it went over really nice so we used a singer named asa barnes and used a four-piece group that i have called genre so you know i can do anything from trios it just depends on what person or the solo piano, just for different venues. uh to play Cerner luncheons for the company Cerner uh, when they're giving out awards at the Blue Room every month. So this is just a multiplicity of different things. I never know what I'm going to get, so
1: it's fun. Yeah, very, very much so. So you grew up in Kansas City, correct? I grew up in Kansas City, Kansas, to be exactly honest uh
2: but I moved to Kansas City, Missouri when I was 15 years old.
1: So talk to me about your childhood and how you got into jazz and playing the piano. I remember as a child, far back as I can
2: remember being able to hear records. We had an old record player, and my mom had a lot of albums. And I just liked the music. It was just something about the music that just moved me. We had an old upright piano. I mean, it was an old player piano. And I would try and try to play what I hear and got to the point where I was able to do that. You know, my mom had old records such as, uh, old Admal Jamal, which I really just dug Roger Williams, which was more of a classical pianist, more with a little bit more contemporary style, you know, Johnny Mathis, all the things. And I, I can remember as a child, one thing that stood out to me was not just only piano, but just orchestrated stuff strings and just something about all the music different varieties of music just really something i really liked and so as about the age of seven my aunt saw the uh, interest i had in it and she paid for my first lessons well her name my aunt Ellen, Ellen Ellis, and I went to a lady named Sylvia Burdett in Kansas City, Kansas, uh, right behind a big church called Trinity AME. Took lessons from her for a while, and then from then on, uh, I was I moved to another teacher named Dorina B. Kane. Took lessons from her, and she was really tough on me. <laughs> It was some hard lessons with her. My biggest attributes were to Reginald Buckner, who found me in grade school in fifth grade and saw the talent, and he pulled it out of me. And then when I went to seventh grade, he had moved to the uh, junior high school over there in Kansas City, Kansas, Northeast Junior. And he was our band teacher. And I eventually started playing trombone under him. And I played that instrument for 13 years. And then, of course, Leon Brady with the son of the high school band, um, I kept playing trombone, but I was in the middle of this, I was still playing piano. This always had a big thing for music, movies, the music in movies. It was just like a, a passion of mine. And then my uncle, music ran my family because my mom played piano, my grandmother played piano. And my uncle was a songwriter and a singer and sang with a group called the uh, Penguins and the Hollywood Flames back in the 50s. And he was the one who wrote this, a popular song, Earth Angel. His name was Curtis Williams.
1: Right on. The nineteen seventies were really good to you. You played in the Turner House jazz series with folks like Jesse yeah. Gillespie, Max yeah. Roach, Cannonball, yeah. Matt yeah. Hatterley. What mm-hmm. what what did you learn during that period? I mean, to be around people that had that much clout and mileage on their jazz odometer, that had to be a really huge experience for you. What'd you get out of that? It was probably
2: the best experience ever in my life because that's where I was still young, I was still rife, I as far as you know, it was like a sponge soaking in everything I could. And I tell you, Clark Terry was like the main guy that was such a great influence. All the rest of them were, but Clark came back to Kansas City a lot. And we actually became great friends. But the things I learned was the main things we learned with jazz improvisation, how to think up ideas. And as being a horn player, I learned how to translate the thoughts in our head to the horn, you know, and Clark and all the others, you know, Dizzy and all this guy, they give us tips and play things and uh, what was the good things, right things and what the wrong things to do and how to swing those notes and uh, not to play them uh, so straight ace, but to swing them. And it, it was just a great experience, but the fact that was one of probably the best series that ever came to Kansas City, Kansas, because not only was I involved, but just a lot of other greats. Bobby Watson was set right in front of me in the sax section. He was a young guy, you know. Now he's a great icon now, but that was a big influence to him. And we used to talk about, you know, how fortunate we were to be under such a thing. I mean, to sit there and see Dizzy Gillespie and talk to him and, you know, see his big cheeks blow up. <laughs> That's just amazing. But he learned a lot watching these guys. Max Roach and uh, I remember Joe Jones showed up at one of the park concerts that we did. It was just, people would just show up from anywhere. You least expected to be there because uh, Kansas City is such a great jazz town. And when they had those programs coming through the National Endowment of Arts, people just came. It was amazing.
1: Let's flash forward to now with the Kansas City Jazz Orchestra, which is a very celebrated outfit. And, you know, you get to back up people like Houston Person and Harold Jones mm-hmm. and Randy Brecker and even Bobby Watson. Let me ask you this. From all the experiences from the Turner House and even now with backing up these folks, what do you get from playing with veterans that you lend to the younger players? What do you teach them?
2: The main thing, and I've been a lot of young musicians, and... The main thing I just tell them is to uh, be humble, work hard at your craft. There's a scripture that says you get to make room for you. And I try to tell them, work hard and the door will open for you. You don't have to break any doors down to get in there. Uh, and playing with behind these guys, it's an honor. It gives me such a great feeling to know that I'm even – one of those persons to back them or be right there, it just gives me a good feeling of accomplishment in my life. And it's just good experience. And you learn so much even just watching them or playing with them. Or You know, you're under a lot of pressure because sometimes you get charts right away and sometimes you have to wait on them. And so if they come in a day or two before a concert, you're under pressure to learn it. But most of the times we some kind of way we make it happen, but I look back on the time frame, like the Houston person, and oh, you know, Anne Callaway Calloway, and all these people, it was just a great experience, and you get to see what goes on in their lives, how much they're dedicated to what they're doing in the writing, and you know, they're getting their awards, and it kind of, it's like them giving a piece of themselves to you, and you just, you just mix it up into your life, and continue on just to try to strive to be the best that you can as well.
1: And you've had the chance to travel as well. You went to Brazil, and Mm -hmm. uh, you've had experiences in traveling. What's it like to present your music to different cultures, different parts of the world? It's fantastic. The people really receive you in other
2: countries. Seem like on a greater scale, because a lot of times a lot of those countries don't have what we have here in America, the freedom that Brazil had a lot of freedom. You know, so many musicians. They, I remember, and I went to Morocco in 06 uh, with a group of people from Kansas City and uh, a singer by the name of Ronnie Guterres and we went over there, and they, we had a website. It was called Jazz in the Riots, and he had a song that he sang that was written by a great pianist, John Stoddard, who uh, was out on the East Coast and played with Kirk Whalum and... When we did that song over there, the people went crazy because that's what they had listened to on the internet over and over again and they just really received it. Also, we got to go to Havana, Cuba in 2014 with the Kansas Community uh, Jazz Band. The reception there was so fantastic and then, of course, we got to see other jazz artists and uh, bands from all over the world there, Norway, Norwegian Jazz Bands and a lot of Cuban uh, music, and but when we got to do our particular performance in Havana at the Jazz Festival, we had an old-time Kansas City um, jam session, and we invited people up to just jam with us, and we were the only band that, was, that did that. That was under the band director, Jim Mayer. Jim Mayer was the first uh, director with the Kansas City Jazz Orchestra when it first started, and um, that's he was really the main reason I got on with him. He called me first. I was his first choice as a pianist. And um, I was very honored that he called me. And I've been there since day one. Right on.
1: What do you like best about Kansas City? I like,
2: well, barbecue. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, I like the freedom that we have to be able to do a lot of music that we do here. You know, it has its ups and downs. It has its challenges. I see here that Kansas City is a type of place that you can perform here, and a lot of the people are very receptive to what you do. They treat treat us pretty nice here. I I, I look at a lot of artists that come from other cities. It's like they're hungering for what we have here. You go to... send me your bigger cities and they are not getting paid as much or it's the competition is so high that it's not many opportunities. I think we can stand a lot more clubs here, uh, here and I think a lot of that is opening up now. I just recently was with a, a guy named his name is Caleb Coop down at 10th and uh, Broadway, he's the Broadway Bistro. He's opening up his club, a really huge place for jazz, bands, All kinds of different music, and I think that's a great, great thing that um, he's doing. So, had our first opportunity there. So, a lot of opportunities open up. A lot of people have visions there, and if they they like what you're doing, they'll call you, or you know, they'll give you a chance to do something here in the city. And if they like it, you're going to, you know, be back again and again. Until something maybe changes. It's just a lot of great, great opportunities. They, I have to admit, things aren't like they used to be. A lot of programs have died in our high schools and junior high schools. Um, a lot of instruments have been taken away out of the school system, and that's kind of painful for me to see because a lot of kids aren't learning music, especially within the city limits. Hopefully that will change someday.
1: So, you've been at this for a long time, for over 40 years. How do you feel about your career and what you've accomplished? I feel good. <laughs> I never think about
2: things like that. I just think that I've had a good life as far as musically. You know, my steps are ordered by God and, you know, I just do what I do day by day. Um, and when that door opens and if I can fulfill that need for that person musically or whatever it may be, I feel like that's my greatest accomplishment for that day. If i just doing a gig like last night, if I can make somebody happy. If somebody is thrilled with the music that we put out there for them, that's my biggest accomplishment. Not so much of wanting to, you know, being a big star or doing that, but if I can make someone just happy playing that music, that's a great feeling to me. That's the best accomplishment I could ever have um, to myself, I feel. You know, even as a pianist when I was at this guy's restaurant down at the Hyatt a few years ago, I would get all kinds of notes and things put into the tip jar where people would talk about how I really enjoyed your music. It was just it made me feel so happy or it made me so those are things that I like to see happen and those are the greatest accomplishments to me. And also mentoring young people and seeing them make it and pushing them, that's that's a great accomplishment to me as well.
1: So let me ask you this, if you could go back to eighteen and vine back, you know, in the heyday who would you want to see live? Who would you really want to oh, see for more? I tell you, of course,
2: I'd like to see uh, Count Basie and his orchestra. Uh, I did see him live once uh, when he came to Kansas City a few years ago in the late 70s. He was just sitting on the couch. and I was too nervous to even say hello to him. I just couldn't believe huh. he was sitting there. And now I could kick myself in the head. <laughs> But I like going up there and shaking his hand because you know our band at Sumner had played a lot of his music and uh, you know we went to Paris and we won first place jazz band that year in 1972 and we had so many accomplishments and so many engagements regular high school would not do I think oh, we kind of have opened the door for other high schools to go to those festivals as well. Getting back to your other question, probably like Ella Fitzgerald when she came through. God, that's. One person I would love to see seen, you know, Duke Ellington. Oh, and there's so many more. I just can't pull them off the top of my head right now. But I think it would be so cool to see Basie and his orchestra and all those people that played behind him that became even greater artists as they got older out of his band.
1: Yeah, that would be nice. Let me ask you this. Why do
2: you love jazz? I think I love it because it was... Something that was in my environment as I was growing up, I probably heard jazz music as I was <laughs> carried in my mother's womb. You know, uh, it was just set of love for it. And, and 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 a lot of the same songs I hear in my head, even to the today from when I was a kid. The idea and the fun of being free to do the improvisation that you can do is a joy to me. Just as like as I played last night. It's like floating in space when, you know, the rhythm section is just right and you're playing and you're doing your improv. It's a great feeling. It's so therapeutic, you know, I can be down, but once I play music or listen to some music, I feel good. And I think the average person can vibe to the same thing, you know, um, that they feel good when they listen to good music. I love jazz because I just love jazz. It's, it's, I can't really explain it, but it's something about that beat. And it was something, something about hearing that swinging cymbal. I can remember that. The doom, doom, chock, doom, doom, chock. It was just, I remember hearing these beats. And I'm like, wow, I like that, you know. Or And then as, as, as I progressed musically or learned things and I heard more jazz, God, it was just amazing. And I, I, it's just a sound i just never forget. Going went to the jazz festivals at the Municipal Auditorium back in the 70s. Great jazz sounds. We got to see Jay McShan, you know, different festivals, Maynard Ferguson, Stan Kenton, you know, Woody Herman. Just hearing all this jazz, it was just amazing. I can say it was like eating music.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful. So let, let me ask you this. Everyone has a version of who you are, your family, your friends, those that see you live. But who do you think you are?
2: Who do I think I am? I think I'm just this laid-back musician guy that tries to friend everyone. I love talking to people. I try to be that I'm that person of integrity that try, that does that does people right. I'm just a person who likes to help people. I kind of like behind-the-scenes person. You know, that's a that's a that's a question I hardly ever get in, asked so it's kind of hard to, to say who I am. I, I guess I'm just a person that, you know, I'm just me because of the way I was raised. Dude. Uh, a great mother uh, that I had, a person of love and compassion, uh concern and just want to help. Man, that's why I like to mentor and help people in any capacity that I
1: can as I'm able to. Right on. That's great. I think that's a great way to, wrap everything up. Charles, thank you for taking a minute out to talk about your music, your life, and everything in between. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you. Thanks for listening and tuning in to yet another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in New York, Kansas City, and spots all over the globe, giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Charles for his time, his cool, and his music. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store. Visit NeonJazz at YouTube.com. And for everything Neon Jazz, go to the NeonJazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends.
2: Neon Jazz.